Glad to be here with you this morning and uh, have the opportunity to speak. Those guys were getting lazy, so they brought me in. And uh, <laughs> not really, of course, you know that. But it's a wonderful thing to serve Jesus and know him. I want to talk to you this morning about being an overcomer. And uh, I especially want to zero in on all the giants that we face in our lives, all the troubles that we face. Uh, they're not settled in one battle. How many of you have ever had a problem in your life? Raise your hand. How many of you have had a problem that just keeps reoccurring and you think you've got it taken care of and it just keeps coming back? Be honest. Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, so I'm going to take you in a few minutes uh, to some scripture and read uh, a, a passage of scripture that I think will really be helpful to us all. But let me make it first uh, some comments. Some of the most successful people in the world have faced giants. We know the story of David and Goliath and facing the giants, and we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. But in just in the, in outside of the Christian world or inside the Christian world, everybody faces giants. Uh, Steve Jobs, for instance, his name may, uh, uh, may trigger something in your mind like the Apple. How many own an Apple phone? Anybody? There you go. I have one. Uh, he was fired from his own company. They got rid of him, basically because he was such a jerk. Um, <laughs> if you know him, if you know his story. But uh, they hired him back because he was a genius, and uh, he, he moved on. He overcame it. Nelson Mandela, not a Christian, but he spent 27 years in prison and then became prime minister of South Africa. He overcame. Abraham Lincoln failed in business. He had a nervous breakdown. Abraham Lincoln was defeated in eight elections. So how did all these people achieve such extraordinary success? Lincoln never gave up, and the way to continue is to understand that all the giants that we face in life are not killed and not destroyed in one battle. Overcoming adversity is, and triumphing over failure in life is really tough. If you're not facing giants right now, just wait. There's one right around the corner that's looking for you. And I want to talk about that this morning. Life is all about facing adversity and having understanding in our lives that it, it lasts a lifetime. I broke my back four years, or, wow, way more than, in 2004, uh, in four places and two ribs in a fall, and uh, cracked my uh, four, four spinal disc all the way around. And, uh, and it healed, it took about six months, six months after I broke my back and finally could get out of bed. I was in Africa helping build some orphan villages for kids in Africa. And I thought once that healed up and the pain went away, I thought this is great. But you know what? As you get older, stuff comes back on you. As you live longer in life, stuff comes back on you. And now I spend about two hours every morning just stretching and doing exercises, trying to get my stupid back moving again. Anybody have back trouble? Huh? The ones who didn't raise their hands, sooner or later you're going to. Just, I just want to give you something to look forward to. <laughs> One of the great narratives, though, in Scripture 
is the story of David and Goliath. It's one of uh, the most instructive stories in all the Bible. From David's experience, we learned that all the giants that we face, uh, uh, they're persistent. They don't give up. I've got problems in my life. I've got things that I thought I conquered years ago, and then all of a sudden they pop up again. And that happened with David facing the giants. Life has a way of coming back at us. David was a teenager when he faced the battle hardened Goliath with a slingshot, and he prevailed. But that was just the beginning of David's battles. And we know a lot of David's story. Let me just remind you of a couple of things. I'm going to read to you from uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17. And I'm just going to pick up a few things here uh, about David and Goliath. It, you remember the story how the Philistines were in, on one side of the battlefield and uh, the Israelites were on the other side and out comes Goliath, the champion. And it says, the Bible teaches us that he went out every day and challenged them to send someone to fight him. And there was a problem with that because Goliath was at least nine foot five tall. He was a big dude. And uh, everybody was afraid of him. Every, you know the story. And everybody was afraid. They, they said when they heard him challenge them that they were dismayed and greatly afraid, it says in the scripture. But this guy comes along, David, young. The Bible said he was ruddy. That means either, uh, it could mean several things, but there was something red all over him. Either his skin was reddish uh, the, the Bible scholars say he was an Edomite, which meant that he had a, a, a tendency to reddish skin. He was probably not white. And so he comes out, and, and he's ruddy looking, and he's a young teenager. His dad sends him down to check on the battle with some loaves of bread and ten cheeses and said, take this to your brothers. And he gets there, and he finds out that Goliath is challenging anyone who's got the guts to stand against him. And the Bible says uh, that David heard it. And David says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And David said, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? And he tells King Saul, he says, I, I'll go out and fight this guy. Not a problem. And everybody, David's brother told him to shut up. He's too little, he's too stupid. And uh, he said, no, 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 I can take this guy. This is all right. I, I, I challenged, I, I had a lion come and I killed him. I had a bear come and I killed him. And he convinces them that they ought to give him a chance. And then he put on King Saul's armor and it was gigantic and, he, and it was heavy. And he said, I can't wear this. This is not the way I do things. And then the Bible says this in verse 40 of verse chapter 17. Then he took the staff in his hand, this is David, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook. And he put them in a shepherd's bag and in a pouch, which he had in a sling in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David. And the man who bore the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he, was, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and and good looking. Apparently he was a handsome dude. So he was ruddy and good looking and the Philistine pointed that out. So the Philistine said to David, 
am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And here's what David said. David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistine to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, and all the earth may know that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all of the assemblies shall know that the Lord does not save with a sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into your hands. So it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, David hurried and ran and toward, toward the army to meet the Philistine. Then David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone, and he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank in his forehead, and he fell on his face to the earth. And you know the story. David took Goliath's sword from his sheath and cut his head off. David wasn't messing around. He, he wasn't going to give in. And he fought that giant. And I'm sure that day when David fought that giant that he thought, this is the last time I'm going to ever face one of these dudes, nine foot five guys. But if you know the Bible story, that's not true. David went on in 2 Samuel chapter 21 to face four other giants. But in this case, those four giants were too much for David to handle. And I want to read a little bit about that. This is from 2 Samuel chapter 21, verse 15. It says, when the Philistines were at the war again with Israel, David and his servants with him went down and fought against the Philistines, and David grew faint. David now is a little older. He's not as tough as he used to be. He hasn't been working out in Gold's Gym as much. And uh, he's just not the guy he used to be. And then it says, Then Ishbi Binab, who was one of the sons of the giant, the weight of whose bronze spear was 300 shekels, who was bearing a new sword, thought he could kill David. Ishbibinab. How many remember that name? You remember that name in the Bible? Ishbibinab? That's, let's say that together. I don't want you to forget it. Ishbibinab. Say that with me. Ishbibinab. That's a fun name to say. Say it really loud with me. Ishbibinab. Come on, I want to hear it. Ishbibinab. I don't want you to forget this guy's name because it's an important name. David thought when he faced that first giant, he was done, but here comes another one. And he had to have help because it says in verse 17, he was, David, David was weak, and it says, But Abishai, the son of Zariah, came to his aid and struck the Philistine and killed him. Then the men of David swore to him, saying, You shall not go out to battle with us anymore, lest you quench the lamp or the light of Israel, speaking about his position. In verse 18, it says, Now it happened afterward that there was again another battle in the Philistines. And Sebekiah, the Hushathite, killed Saph, who was one of the sons of the giant. Again, there was, and by the way, how many stones did David have? Five smooth stones. Somehow God, he knew, or something was going on because he didn't take just one stone to kill the Philistines. He took five stones with him. And Goliath had four brothers. And it says, again, there was war at Gob and the Philistines and El Nathan, the son of Jehoram, the Bethlehemite, killed the brother of Goliath, the Gittite, the shaft of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. 
Yet again, there was a, a war at Gath where there was a man, great stature, six, uh, this guy's a, I can't imagine seeing this guy. This guy had six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot, 24 in number, and he also was born to the giant. So when he defied Israel, Jonathan, the son of Shemaiah, David's brother, killed him. These four were born to the giant of Gath, Gath and fell to the hand of David and by the hands of his servants. David couldn't kill the other four giants by himself. He had to have help. That's one of the great strengths of going to church and not just going, not just attending. God did not call us just to go to church on Sunday morning and go home and do nothing else. He called us to be a part of the battle. He called us to be a part of what's happening in this church, in churches all over the world. And I want to point out about five things, five or six things this morning. They're going to pop up on the screen, and this is the first one. The battle with giants spans a lifetime. It spans a lifetime. It says, again, then he took his staff in his hand and he chose for himself five smooth stones. Somehow there was something going on because God knew, obviously, that there were four other gigantic giants that wanted to kill David. And they all tried and they all failed. But the four giants that were faced later in David's life, David couldn't kill them. But David had trained his guys he had showed them how to fight. He had made sure they were ready for the battle. And the Bible says in verse 21, 15, once again, there was a battle between the Philistines. It just kept reoccurring. And in our lives, the same thing happens. Sometimes it's depression. Maybe you suffer from depression and you, you think you've conquered it and it comes back again. Or maybe it's some sin that you faced over and over and over again, and every time you conquer it, you think it's never coming back. But those giants have a way of coming back. Those giants have a way of saying hello to us again and wanting to destroy us. The reason David chose those five stones was there was going to be later battles all throughout his life. And the battle we face with, in life, the Bible tells us in the New Testament, we face the battle of the world, the flesh, and the devil. And the devil is tough. And when I was in college, there was a guy, one of our professors, Paul Vanneman, he and I became very good friends and actually did a mission trip in Costa Rica at one time, helping some missionaries there. But when I was in Bible college, he was a professor. And, and when he was going to speak, I just loved it because he was so, <coughs> he was so dynamic, really, in the way he spoke. But he, he used to talk about the devil. I can remember his sermons about the devil and how the devil was out to destroy us and to defeat us. And he would get all worked up, Dr. Vanneman. He pastored a church of about 1,500 in the Detroit area. And Dr. Vanneman, I can remember him saying, and he called us, uh, I don't know if they did this, uh, if some of you went to Bible college, if they called you preacher boys, but that, that's what they called us back then, preacher boys. And he would look at us and he'd talk about the devil and and honestly, some of the faces he made, he looked like the devil. He really did. <laughs> Paul Vanneman. And he'd look at us, and he'd go like this. He'd say, Preacher boys, the devil hates both hands. And his fists were like five times the size of mine. 
The devil hates your guts. And he said, he said it so many times, I've never forgotten it. Uh, Paul Vanneman was a, a great guy. He ended up drowning in Costa Rica on another trip when they went out swimming in this lagoon or in the Pacific Ocean. And uh, a big, small, small, but a small tsunami started coming in and pulling people out. And he went out one after the other, saving people's lives at 60 years old, going down, pulling them in again, going down, pulling them in again. And the last one that he went down to pull, he was out of strength. He went down and got the guy from the bottom of the ocean, pulled him up, but he couldn't make it back. The guy made it back, but he didn't. And he, it is said that the last thing he said as uh, he was going down for the last time was, he just said, I love Jesus. That's pretty good. Number two, all the giants are related. Everything you face in your life, every trouble we face, every disappointment, every loss of life, my wife and I could talk for a long time about a time in our life in a two-year period of time. My mom and dad died. Her mom and dad died. And her uncle died who lived in their home and helped raise her. And my grandmother died. All six of the older generation died in two years. And we were just, and we were pastoring a church in the Boston area and going back to uh, Michigan over and over again, and then we moved to Delaware, and we were going back still those, through those two years. And uh, just, it was just such a trying time, and every time one of them died, we were thinking, man, I hope that's over, and it wasn't over. But facing adversity, facing and overcoming like God wants you to overcome, that only happens when we spend time with God. And the giants that we face... You know, being human and having a sinful nature is kind of like being an alcoholic. They say about alcoholism that once an alcoholic, what? Always an alcoholic. Once born a sinner, always a sinner. We never fully overcome. We can overcome and we can battle again like David did. He killed that first giant at least nine foot five inches tall. But then there was four other ones. And he had to be with the men that he had trained and the men that he had discipled, basically, and that's what we'd call it in our generation, that he had trained them to do battle. And all of us have that sinful nature. Then a third thing I'd like to point out to you this morning is this. Yesterday's victories will not kill today's giants. Just because David killed Goliath didn't mean he could handle his four brothers. And I, I figured out this week, one of the giants, he had a, a, a coat of mail, uh, metal covering him. And he was so huge that his coat of mail, it says it was, 15, I think it said 15,000 shekels, if I'm right, or might have been, no, 5,000 shekels. And a shekel is about a half a pound. So I figured it out, his, just his outer armor weighed 2,470 pounds. This was a big dude. 
and they killed him. They faced, faced him down and did away with him. When the Philistines were at war again with Israel, David and his servants with him went down, the Bible says, and fought against the Philistines, and David grew faint. And then there's that name again up there, then Ishbibina. Ishbibina. Say it with me. Can you say it? Ishbibina. Who's your Ishbibina? What is it that you're facing in your life? Maybe, uh, maybe you're facing marriage problems. Maybe you're facing problems with your kids and, and you think you've got it settled. Um, have, you, have you noticed that kids kind of surprise you sometimes? You think you've got them figured out and you've got them headed in the right direction and then they turn around and go the other way. And then you're back at it again. It's the giants that we face. It is just never ending. That's a great lesson for us. The forces of evil do not attack us when we're strong, but when we're weak. Strength comes from spending time with God. Weakness always comes when you start spending less time with God. Let me say that again. Weakness, strength comes when we spend time with God when we're in our Bible, when we're praying and we're getting to know who Jesus is and who, fa who the Father is and the Spirit is and, and getting to know God and spending time with God. And weakness comes when we're not doing that, when we're letting it go, when we're saying, well, I don't have time today. <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm amazed sometimes when I go <laughs> to the bookstore uh, and uh, they have Christian shelves and... Uh, <laughs> And one of the biggest bestsellers on the shelf is a book that you can buy, One Minute with God. That's what it's called. One minute. You can do all your business with God in one minute. No, you can't. No, you can't. God wants you to spend time with him. God wants you to love him. God wants you to, to envelop yourself with him. He wants you to be far more than you are and far more successful than you are. He's a God who cares. Number four, about this battling. Number four, the next giant you face will probably use different battle tactics. It's notable that in the scripture up here, it says, and Ishbibinab, one of the descendants of Rapha, whose bronze spear weighed 300 shekels and who was armed with a new sword. He had a brand new sword. He had a different killing machine that he had with him for the first time. But one of David's men slew him. I'm impressed every time I come here, and I've always uh, been impressed with, with your pastors and their ability to teach and give you the word of God. But I can tell you that those pastors, one of the hardest jobs in the whole world, and I did it for 47 years. I just retired nine months ago. 47 years I pastored. One of the hardest jobs in the whole world is pastoring. One minute, people love you. And I, I hate to say this, but next minute, sometimes they hate your guts. And it's so sad. And people that, that you thought, uh, people that I've won to Christ have turned on me. And that happens. But they did it to Jesus. I don't know why we'd, be, why we'd be dismayed by that. Because it happens. So these battles that we face always come at us in a different way. 
And then number five, be sure to pass the battle on to others, and this is really important, on to others that you have trained. You know what, I, <clears throat> I decided to speak on this sermon, but I, I almost spoke on discipleship. Because the one thing that God wants you to do, every one of you, not just the pastors, the one thing God wants you to do in this life is God wants you to disciple others. He doesn't want you just to come to church and do nothing. He wants you to get involved. And the first people that you need to disciple, the biggest legacy you can leave when you leave this life is by discipling your children by making sure they know who God is. And if you don't teach him anything except that there's two great commandments in the Bible, two great commandments. Love God, that's number one, the Bible says, and love others. And if you do that, you'll change the world. If you'll teach your children to love God and love others, if you'll teach them to really know who God is, there will be times in your life, just like me, where you have to overcome the devil's attack. I've had times in my life as a pastor where, <laughs> my wife can tell you this is true, uh, where she's caught me li literally prostrate on the floor, hiding behind the bed, praying that God would help me to have enough strength to continue. And every time I asked him, guess what he did? He gave me more strength, and he sent more help. We can't do this church thing alone. We can't do this Christian life alone. There will come a time in your life when you desperately need others to help you overcome the devil's tactics in your life. That's what discipleship's all about. And my question, one of my questions here today, David trained his men and those men that he trained saved his life four different times. And David would not have lived without them if he had not trained them, if he had not discipled them. Moms and dads, are you discipling your children, first of all? Grandparents, are you influencing your children and trying to disciple them? Are you teaching them the great commandment? Are you teaching him the great commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel? That's each of our jobs. That's not just Pastor Brad's job. And it's not just Pastor Tim's job. That's all of our jobs. To go into the world and preach the gospel everywhere we go. Um, man, I've, I've spoken to people at coffee shops, and seeing people get saved. I've met people at the mall and found out where they were spiritually and spent time with them, talking to them, trying to disciple them. There's nothing more that God wants you to do than to disciple others. If David had not discipled his men, he would have died four different times, if that's possible, which it wasn't. And so let me just end with this. I don't want to go on and on because you know the story of David and Goliath. But before I give you the last details, can you say Ishbi Binab with me again? Ishbi Binab. <laughs> One more time, ready? Ishbi Binab. He's coming for you. He's coming for me. The giants that we face, it's never ending. 
I'm 68 years old, and I know there's more coming. It's not over yet. But let me say, just to sum it up, Jesus fought the battle of the ages on the cross, and it seemed he lost, but three days later he rose from the grave. Triumphant for us. We will face giants all our lives, but with the strength given to us through the Spirit of God, we will win. In John 16, 33, listen to what it says. These things I have spoken to you, Jesus said, so that in me you may have peace. And in the, wor in the world you will have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. What spiritual giants are you facing right now? What is it that's keeping you from spending the time with God that you need to spend so that you can be strong? What is it that's... Uh, drawing you away from God. And if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ, let me tell you something. He loves you more than you'll ever and more than you could ever, ever imagine. He loves you more than you love yourself. And I know you love yourself a lot. He does. But what are we going to do with this world, in this world? What, how are we going to make a difference? What spiritual giants have you faced over and over and over again and yet you are struggling to overcome? You need God's Spirit to empower you. You need the Spirit of God. I may have said this to you. I've spoken here a couple of times, two or three times. But I'll never forget my brother who was in Vietnam and he was uh, in some really rough battles in Vietnam. And uh, he made it home. But he was in the Battle of Attleboro where 35,000 Viet Cong were killed in two weeks and 3,500 Americans died. And when he came home, I asked him to tell me a little bit about what he went through. And he said, I, he said, I can never tell you what they made me do. He said, I can never tell you what I had to do. And he never has. To this day, he never has. I asked him the other day, just the other day, to, to tell me about the Battle of Attleboro when he was in it. He said, I, he said, I can't go there. I still can't go there. He said, I just have to forget it. There are battles that are so bad, they're hard to even reiterate. They're hard to bring up again. But there's a God who cares. You need God's Spirit to empower you. If you're here and you don't know Jesus and you're, you're living a life and you don't know what's going to happen to you after life, I'll tell you what, Jesus is going to take you to heaven to spend eternity with him if you'll trust him as your Savior. And I hope that you'll do that. What battles are you facing right now? Jesus wants to help you overcome, and he will. He will. Let's pray together.